Uh, so good to see you, and uh, just want to acknowledge and welcome our Destiny Table New York online with us and all of our online family. Yeah, we're so thankful for all God's doing there. Um, a lot unfolding right now that um, as it all materializes, we'll be sharing more and more. But God is doing something remarkable in the revelation of the table and understanding what that really means and mobilizing people to more effectively minister out of their hearts and out of their homes. Uh, we love the gathering of the church, but we're deeply devoted to trying to help the church understand who she really is. How many of you know you can't go to church? You are the church. So we gather as the church to be empowered by God and go out and fulfill our mandate the Great Commission. So uh, I want to talk about the basis of that today, which is the deepest form of expression, uh, I believe, to not just the characteristic of God, how many of you know God is loving, but it's the identity of God. God is actually love. And so it's a powerful revelation that we want to step into today as we get into that conversation. I do want to just take a moment as we get um, started together there have been uh, just making sure, sometimes it's good to rehearse just the avenues of communication and connection and what that really looks like. Uh, so one week from today, we are going to be doing water baptism. We'll do that during worship. It'll be a really powerful time of just celebrating. We believe water baptism is not just symbolic of the expression. Uh, it is symbolic, but it's more than that. We believe it's not just symbolic, so don't get me wrong. It's not just symbolism of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and I'm identifying with Christ, though that does happen. We also understand that the Israelites came out of uh, the bondage of Egypt, the world system, and the first thing they did was pass through water, and everything that had held them and their forefathers captive was perished in the water that day. So when we walk through the waters here in water baptism, we're actually declaring strongholds, sometimes generationally, are broken and remain. That, that burial leaves those strongholds in the burial of that water as we come out and walk in newness of life. We also see the Israelites walk through the water to go into a greater place of promise as they pass through water the second time. And a lot of times people don't understand um, the basis of water baptism and the powerful tool that it can become when we mix and combine our faith with that experience. And so uh, we've had people in many instances get baptized a second time, really applying their faith. So all that to say, next week we'll have that take place during our Sunday morning time. And uh, I want to encourage you to know how important it is that you recognize this little connect card. Because if you say, I'd like to have a conversation with someone about water baptism, you would fill out a connect card or you would text destiny to the number on the screen to do the digital connect card. And um, if you say, I would really like to know about child dedication and dedicating our children, you're never going to guess how to get information about that through the connect card. Isn't it interesting? We want to connect with you to help you with any question you may have. I want to know how to find a community group that might fit my family. Connect card. I want to know what the on-ramp is to get more involved in the church. The connect card is that. We used to have all these different things and we like realize we're all going to lose our minds if we try and keep all that organized. So we want one piece of correspondence to be the way we do that. So you can text that, do that on your phone, or fill this out, drop it in one of our giving stations uh, right back here in the back or in the lobby. And it is interesting, I uh, recently had somebody say, how do you give at this church? 
Uh, and we don't do a lot of talking about, you know, com- compelling giving and that sort of thing. Uh, I, I really don't want you to show up and somebody gets up and tries to talk you out of your rent. That's not what worshipful giving is all about. And so I just want to help you understand you can give online. You can give, uh, you can text give to the number that will pop up if you want to see our uh, giving platform through our our. Um, our little app. There are giving stations in the back. They're giving kiosks in the lobby. There are a number of different ways, but we're not going to get up here every week and talk about giving, and we're not going to pass buckets. What we want you to do is to understand a more mature way of worship through giving. And so I just think we've allowed things to be too surface. This is not about making budget. I understand we do have budgets to make and all those things, but this is about worship to the Lord. How many know giving has always been a part of worship? It's always been a part of God's plan for worship. Before the law was ever given, giving was part of God's plan for worship. Abram tithed to Melchizedek, and that word tithe is the Hebrew word masra, and it means 10%. I've actually received a request from our elders because of inflation this year. We're going to increase tithe to 11%. (laughs) No, (laughs) that's just a bad joke. Um, It's always been the same. It's always going to be the same. It was before the law. It was in the law. It was after the law. Jesus reiterated it. Paul reiterated it. Um, And, you know, giving in the sum, keeping with the amount of money that you make and so on. It's all just about that. And so I I just encourage you, take a deeper look at what that is supposed to be in your life and invite your children to be a part of that. We always uh, invited our girls in on that conversation. And sometimes sacrificially, we had to make some sacrifices and adjustments. And we did that as an expression of worship to the Lord as a family together. Sometimes whenever I'm standing here, I I just sense the grace of the Lord in a moment. And I want to learn to pay attention to that. I think that we're supposed to learn that as a way of life. And God's just been showing that more and more. And I I just sense His grace right now in a powerful way. And so I think we need to learn to just be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit uh, is doing, what he's saying. And so let's just invite him to take us to a deeper place uh, as we just cooperate with that. Lord, there's a, a movement of the Spirit that you desire to awaken in the earth. For as many as are sons and daughters of God, they are led by the Spirit of God, according to Romans 8. I thank you, Lord, according to Galatians 5, that we're not only to walk in the Spirit, but we are to actually keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, we're not asking you to step into our pace of life and walk with us. We want to learn to step into your pace of life and walk with you. So I pray that would be the case in our worship, that we would pay attention to your pace, not just outrun you, And so often in the realm of uh, worshipful entertainment, there's absolute neglect to the pace of the Holy Spirit. But that's not our heart. That's not our desire. Lord, we want to learn how to cooperate with you in your word and in every way. And let that be for each of us as believers as a way of life, but absolutely the case in the way we gather, just listening to what you're desiring to say and reveal. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to um, encourage you, if you did not get a reminder of our 20 
23, New Year's Revelation, deeper. Then uh, there are a few of these left right back here by the communion station. You can pick those up on your way out. We have more being ordered because uh, most of them are gone now, but there are still a few more. But I would encourage you to, to take this and keep it in your Bible every day. Turn the page, get in the Word, and just keep that there. And when you pull it out, just be reminded God is taking us to deeper places of knowing Him, wor- uh, walking with Him, knowing each other. This beautiful verse on the back of this card that you can just rehearse and pray through. We're going to talk next week about praying Scripture back to God and how important that practice actually is. But this says in the message, 1 John 3, 24, as we keep His commands, we live deeply and surely in Him. That is beautiful. How many of you want to live deeply and surely in God? As we keep His commands, we live deeply and surely in Him, and He lives in us. And this is how we experience His deep and abiding presence in us by the Spirit He gave us. So pick one of those up just as a reminder as you walk this out. And um, I think that in the course of your week, you'll sense many times just a deeper invitation of the Lord to pay attention to His grace. You know, you have a conversation with somebody and you just sense the grace of the Lord in that conversation. Then pay attention to that. Just lean into that a little bit. God might actually be ministering to that person in a way that you don't even have any realization, but the Lord might begin to open up that deeper conversation. I saw Leon uh, posted something of this last week, just having a conversation with somebody and, um, and just ask, could he pray with that person who had maybe a similar past and conversation and interaction taking place? Just pay attention. There may be a moment that the Lord opens a doorway of opportunity. It's kind of like Jesus did. You know, he like paid attention to the Holy Spirit and everywhere he went, did things like that God wanted to do. Have you read that part of the Bible? He said, I do what I see my Father doing. And I love the verses prior to that. It says the Father is always at work. That means God's always doing something. How I many you know we're most of the time not catching it? But he's really helping us to slow it down, pay attention. And that's going to be a big statement for us in this season. And I just want to say this loud and clear. We're going to say it again a little bit later. But I want you to hear me say it. You cannot go deep if you do not slow down. You cannot. How many know we travel at the speed of life? Especially in our Western world culture. You cannot go sleep. You cannot go deep if you do not slow down. Can we all say that together? You cannot go deep if you do not slow down. So the Lord's going to help us with that as we slow down a little bit. So um, this just becomes a a way of helping us to remember. You know, the Bible's full of these little techniques. Have Have you noticed that before? Like you're supposed to write the scripture on the door frames we read in the Old Testament. You know, put it on the door frame so that when you're going in and coming out, you're reminded of God's law. There was always these piles of rocks being piled up at various places. You know why they were doing that? Because they would then remember uh, what God had done and tell their children when they see those piles of rocks, this is where the Lord did this. And so God was always giving little strategic reminders of some of the things that they had come to know. Uh, And this is an important part of who we are as a church family because we know that there really are five basic truths that God has highlighted for us as a family uh, as, as kind of the defining variables of really making disciples. So in the beginning of the year, uh, we step into a reminder by focusing on the first 40 days, those five focal points for us, those five truths. It all begins with love because God is not just loving, God is love. 
And so today I want us to talk about what it means not just to be loving, but to be outrageously loving. And if you spend much time around the culture and atmosphere of this church family, this is the goal of who you will become, and I think you will be influenced by it. It's going to pop up on the screen. Maybe we can all read this out loud together because it just speaks so well of that statement of those five elements. We are outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord with irrationally giving lifestyles as we consistently submit to God's desires and effectively disciple others to do the same. So those are the five weeks we want to walk through just a reiteration, inviting the Lord to help us have a deeper understanding. And we start today with the understanding of love. Uh, we are going to talk out of the love chapter today. So take your Bibles and open them to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We'll be getting there very shortly. My question is, are you loving? Are you loving? Um, I got a text message from somebody that um, I'm really close to. We really seek the Lord together. We speak into each other's lives. Just a dear brother in the Lord uh, to me that I've known for years. And he just sent me this message this last week, and I reflected on it quite a lot. He said, when I compare myself to others, I think I'm doing okay. But when I compare myself to Jesus, I just need to deeply repent. <laughs> I mean, no, that's such a great perspective. I mean, I reflected on that a bit because it is easy, and the Bible tells us not to compare ourselves with each other, by the way. He who compares himself by himself are not wise. Um, but we, what we have to recognize is there's only one standard of love, and his name is Jesus, and we all fall short. And you actually fall short on purpose because we live in a fallen world, and we are supposed to look to this risen king where he's introducing us continually to this eternal reality that comes from our heavenly Father. And what that means is in our weakness, then we're made strong. Whenever I say, my goodness, I'm trying to be loving, but boy, I am not that loving. Anybody relate to that? Happy holidays, everybody. We've just come out of Christmas where our schedules changed and we got in proximity around people. And like anybody deal with some frustration. I, I was kind of, uh, Tracy and I had a Christmas conversation in one particular instance. And um, Anybody have a Christmas conversation? Uh, some things were going on in a little Christmas conversation. We're standing in our closet. Tracy and I are very intense to begin with. We're just both intense people. And um, so our conversations are sometimes scary just for, like, we're just having an interaction, but we're both pretty intense. And in this instance, it was intensity with a little extra oomph, if you know what I'm saying. And so it was a Christmas conversation, and we were having a discussion. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. And it started getting more, and, and we're in our closet having this discussion and the discussion terminated everything concluded we both survived not much blood in the room and I I walked out of the 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 uh, our bedroom and I looked over and Lexi who's the sweetest family member we have is standing in her bedroom looking out the door which happens to be right next to our closet and she had the funniest look on her face and I said I just looked at her and I said um could you hear us in there <laughs> To which she didn't give any words to explain. All she said was, <laughs> So our Christmas conversations, that's kind of what that was. Uh, it can be stressful in dealing with some of these types of things, and it's just so easy to react, isn't it? And the Lord's trying to deliver us from the human reactions take us to a deeper place of spiritual response. I'm going to 
I'm going to really wreck you with this statement. And the reason it's going to wreck you is because, man, it has wrecked me. I'm just telling you right up front, guilty as charged. I can think of time after time after time that I did this. And I think of it in terms of marriage. I think of it in terms of friendship. But how many of you ever had somebody uh, emotionally withdraw from you? Relationally withdraw from you? And when they withdraw from you and they're withholding relationally from you, what do you do? You withdraw from them and you withhold from them. And what do we call that? We call that justice. When you withhold affection from me, I withhold affection from you because that's justice. And God looks at it and he says, no, that's revenge. And it's just so important that we understand we can justify this any way we want. And our excuses tend to be the reasoning we put in there behind our rebellion. And then it begins to produce a stronghold because we have a solid argument of why we do or why we don't. And that's the essence of uh, these pretensions that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. So real love actually takes us to a deeper place where we're allowing His gold standard of Jesus to be our defining expression of the love He really desires for us to not only experience from Him, but to express so that others around us are experiencing. And when you ask the Apostle Paul, tell us about this love. By the way, this love is an amazing love that we're reading about in Scripture. Like I understand we love puppies, and we love steak, and we love vacation, and we love Jesus, and we love, you know, we love each other. The word love for us is so general. Of course, there are different words in the Greek language, but this word agape love didn't even exist until humanity began to try and explain the love that Jesus brought to the earth. Do you know that? Like you don't find it in history prior to the explanation of the love of Jesus. This is a love that the world had never known. And so this kind of love is a really important revelation for us to carry and understand. And so the first thing when the Apostle Paul is asked, can you tell us what love is? He says, love is patient. Patient. Why did he have to start there? Anybody? I mean, love is patient. I, I'm, I'm very capable of being extremely impatient. And, and I like to blame it on my genes, you know. This is where I come from. I, we get things done, right? I mean, if we're not careful, we get all kinds of justification for living lives that are actually contrary to the life God defines for us to live in Scripture. So we have to repent for that as we walk this out together. And I want us to take a look at this, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting in verse 1. And I love this. Uh, it's interesting because verse 1, you know, it's, it's this powerful declaration. Uh, the Good News translation is going to say, if I have no love, it does me no good. How many of you know that's true? Like, love is really important. The message says, I'm bankrupt without love. So love, uh, again, you know, can I just ask the question, how many of you have had uh, some unloving, impatient moments take place in your life over the last two to three weeks? Can I just get a quick poll of honesty? All right, we need Jesus bad in this room, I'm telling you. Uh, and I'm just hoping, as I'm talking about love, that Tracy is listening. After our Christmas conversation, I am convinced I'm going to just face it this way for a little bit. 
1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting verse 1. This is the ESV I'm reading from. If I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Like everything that I could do, the, the most sacrificial thing I could do, if it's not done in love, it means nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. I mean, this is something that you could and should just take and reflect on and read and rehearse and, and just allow His Word to have its work in, in your own heart, in your own mind. We, we all need to reflect on this and, and encounter God who is love as we're allowing Him to awaken that within us. And, and the question that I have is, number one, are you loving? And if you give yourself, you know, a rating, are you loving? And what our goal is that we all would become outrageously loving. And the crazy thing about being outrageously loving is you don't really have it in you to do that. But that's, again, kind of the point. It's when you recognize, I'm, I don't want to be loving right now, but I'm going to surrender to the Lord. And what does the Lord want from me? And how can He love people through my surrendered available life? That becomes this agape love of God, love of eternity, that flows through our surrender and our availability. But the biggest question that I, I want to challenge you with, and, and this is going to, again, today's a little bit painful. It's certainly painful for me as I've been reflecting on this all week. But I'm going to introduce you to one of the biggest enemies of your faith that you probably wouldn't even consider as one of the biggest enemies of your faith. In fact, you might label it and define it in a way that would qualify it or justify it. Uh, I think about, you know, my buddy when I was in high school, I had a car accident, um, rearview mirror smashed, you know, smashed into my rearview mirror, lacerated, whoo, lacerated my face, and um, and. My buddy came over and he said, hey, I want to help out, man. Can I do anything? Where's your car? You need me to get stuff out of it? I said, no, it's down at this place. They, you know, they're storing it until I can kind of recover out of the, you know, all the procedures and surgeries and so on that I was going through. And, uh, and, and later I found out my stereo was brand new in the car. It got stolen. You're never going to guess who stole my stereo a year later I learned. It was my buddy who came over and was asking, could he help I mean, I wasn't a Christian, and I didn't hang out with Christians, but like, when I found that out, I thought, this is a guy that like, was my friend, and I trusted him, and, and, you know, and he ripped me off. Robert Brown, if you're watching right now, I love you. <laughs> that is his name. I will call him out to this day, but I have forgiven my point is simply this, you might be courting things in your life that you think might be friendlies that are actually enemies. And this enemy that I'm talking to you about, you probably do justify it in a way that you qualify it. And I'm simply talking about hurry. Hurry. One of the greatest enemies to your 
loving disposition is your stressed out life. I was, I was blown away um, this study that was done on Princeton Theological Seminary. They took these students that were studying in ministry and they gathered them in the room and they said, there's a recording studio across the campus in another building and we want you to go and be recorded speaking on a topic. And they gave them various topics, but some of them, they specifically gave them the topic of the Good Samaritan, which we know the Good Samaritan, they're about to go speak on the Good Samaritan, and the Good Samaritan is a person who's on a pathway, and they see someone in need, and they inconvenience themselves to stop and help that person who's in need. And they did this all on purpose, and then they positioned a victim on the pathway between the two buildings on purpose. And they commissioned them with all these various topics, and then they told some of them, uh, your recording is going to start pretty soon. You don't have a lot of time, so get going and go do your recording. And then they told others of them, you've got a little bit of room, take your time, make your way across the campus, and then you'll go in the latter part of the day to be recorded. And consistently what they found was it did not, and you really need to hear this, this is very applicable to you, to me, to us, It did not matter what topic they were rehearsing that they were going to talk about. What mattered was who was in a hurry and who was not. Two out of three of those that were not having to get over and get recorded quickly stopped to help this suffering victim on the way. Less than 10% of those that were hurrying to get to the other building stopped It didn't matter if they were teaching on the Good Samaritan. Do you get this? Like, I'm going to go talk about stopping to help people in need on your journey. Oh, well, someone will help that person. And what I gather from this as I'm just referencing this is we have to understand the way we structure our schedules has a profound impact on if we are going to effectively translate our beliefs into behavior. How many of you are busy? Overwhelmed when you think about all the things you need to accomplish. The way we structure our schedules has a profound impact on effectively translating our beliefs into behavior. In other words, the busier and more hurried you are, the less Christ-like you tend to be. I don't know if you understand how much of an enemy hurry is, but I'm just saying, if we don't slow down, we'll not go deep. And this is, I mean, I'm praying into this, and you're going to hear me talking about this from a lot of different angles in the course of going deeper. And I have had arguments with the Lord on your behalf. Because I've just said, Lord, like you have called me in America to lead a church in this culture, and these people are going to hear this message, and they're going to be very busy. (laughs) And the Lord said, I didn't realize, I'm sorry. (laughs) I mean, God just began to deal with me about this, and we all need to understand this. 
When you hear me start talking like this or hear our teaching team start referencing this and you start rejecting it and resisting it and wrestling back at it like many of you already are right now when I'm making this statement, you're doing that because you, the church, have been more evangelized by the world than you have by the word that says, be still and know that I am God, labor to enter into rest. We do need to clap our hands and give God's Word home field advantage to break some things off of our lives because this is going to be a difficult one for us. There's a cross in this conversation and we're going to have to die to ourselves to be able to become who God's designed us to be because we're in way too much of a rush to pay attention to the pace of the Holy Spirit and keeping in step with the Spirit requires us to understand we're not going through our lives saying, come on, Lord, why don't you just jump in? I'm going to serve God now. Just keep, keep up, Lord. I've got a lot to do. Let's go. On. I'm going to have my devotion time. All right. Yep, got my devotion in. Praise the Lord, okay, Lord, I've got five minutes here. I'd like to know the plan for my life. Nope. I can tell you with 100% certainty that you are not a person who hears God if you are not a person who slows down and makes space to have conversation with God around His Word in a place of prayer. I know we live in a society that has fast food religion that has inundated the, the landscape and you can go to a church that will give you a 59-minute experience, get you in, get you out, get you going. We'll fit God in. We won't inconvenience your life. Just come be a part. And I'm telling you, God has had enough of that kind of nonsense in the world in which you and I live. I'm not trying to be critical of anybody. I love and appreciate the body of Christ. But I'm just telling you what we're sensing and discerning is the Lord is saying it is time to slow down and go deep and take some time in the presence of the Lord where something profound begins to happen in the human heart where we start to recognize there's a sense of discernment God desires for us to possess where when we're going through the course of our day, we're not just fast-paced decision makers, we're actually slow-paced hesitation discerners. I don't want to just give you my best decision. I want to discern what the Lord has to say. That means there must be hesitation before there's revelation. But if I live in a constant state of reaction because I'm so busy, I never learn to respond to God because I'm reacting to everything around me. All the stimuli. And listen, there's a lot of it. How many of you know there's a lot of it? Some of you haven't been able to listen to the message today because you're checking your email, you're looking at your app, you're playing your game on your phone. I don't see you doing that, by the way. I'm not talking to anybody individually. I just know the society that we live in. I know what I do when other people preach. <laughs> no. <laughs> Tracy's always, stop that, pay attention. Oh, you got to learn to listen to the Lord in your wife's voice sometimes. Just a little recovery from those former statements I made. You can't go deep if you don't slow down. You can't go deep 
if you don't slow down. Maybe it might be better to say it this way. You will not go deep if you do not slow down. Anthropologists are now studying the impact of the hurried lifestyle on the human race. And one of the first things that come out, hurry diminishes love. We're hearing that today, aren't we? That's one of the first things that come out. Hurry increases stress. It's another part of their study. How many of you know stress has a horrible effect on your health and overall emotional disposition? Hurry decreases love. Hurry increases stress. Hurry decreases joy. I thought this was an interesting one. For a study to come out and say, hurry decreases joy. Your, your life will not be as joyful if you keep hurrying through and accomplishing so much. I just want to say to you, the kingdom of God is not about accomplishments. The kingdom of God is about relationships. And relationships take time. And so this hurry decreases joy. If you think about like if I'm driving somewhere and I think, oh, hey, we're on our way over there. There's a park. Let's just drive through the park on the way from here to there. You drive through the park and look at the park. That's great. Isn't that great to do that and like take a moment to enjoy the park by, on your drive? But how much more would you enjoy the park if you actually parked the car, got out and walked through the park at a much slower pace of speed than just drive through? I mean, you're, it, it will change your experience if you learn to slow down. I was listening to a message, actually uh, Chrissy shared a message with me, and it's a message on hurry, and I just had it on, I think it was two days ago, <clears throat> just listening to it, and <laughs> I, I, I mean, this is just awful. I'm listening to this message on hurry, and I've got it on YouTube, and now I'm clicking the, the YouTube speed of playback, and I've got it 1.5, and I'm I'm thinking, I could hear, I could understand if I went 1.75. I clicked the 1.75. You're not hurry. You stop hurry. You stop hurrying. Everybody start hurrying. And, and like he's playing, and, and I'm realizing, ah, this is sacrilegious, man. I have violated the, you know, I mean, it's like I'm hearing about how we shouldn't hurry, and I'm trying to hurry to hear it. I mean, it's just, ah, we need Jesus. I need Jesus. I'm going to ask if the worship team, hurry, if you guys can come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> if you don't have a quiet space devoted to the Lord, I know for a fact you're not a person that hears the Lord. I just say, uh, last week, Pastor A.T. brought a great word challenging us to understand the practices of Jesus and what those practices look like and how we should embrace those in our lives. I, I just don't think Jesus was ever walking around stressed out in a rush. In fact, I think people were frustrated with him. They're like, come on, we've got to get over here. The guy's daughter's going to die, and you're stopping again. And who touched my garment? And like, you know, all these people everywhere. It's like, <sighs> like your, your family is at the door, Jesus. And he's like, are not all these my family? It's just like, <sighs> I, 
I will tell you this, if you truly walk with God and you hear the voice of Jesus, he will mess up your paradigm. And some of you are defending your paradigm even still now after hearing me elaborate on what I feel the Lord has asked me to share with you. So I'm going to be asking you as we look at being outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord with irrationally giving lifestyles as we consistently submit to God's desires above our own then we will learn to effectively disciple others to do the same I don't know if you realize it or not but you are making disciples like you're influencing people and your influence will be duplicated in their lives and so I want to ask you to slow down I want to ask you to invite the Lord's help in going deep we're, we're going to, um, we're focusing on these first 40 days. <clears throat> it's a good thing to do in the beginning of the year. I, I call it the tithe of the year. And so how many days are in the year? 365. And what's a tithe? What's 10% of that? 36.5 days. And it's interesting to me that 36.5 days this year lands on February 5th, our worship night. So the conclusion of 36.5 days, we're going to join here on that Sunday night, February 5th, 6 o'clock, and we're going to go deeper. And we're actually going to really focus in that night on what it is in worship and prophetic. We're going to hear the Lord together, and we're going to work at hearing the Lord over each other. We're cultivating now how to do that as effectively as possible and what that really is going to look like. But I would really ask you, purpose time when we gather like that to prioritize because the Lord wants to awaken things within us the, that following week on February the 12th becomes our discovered destiny and, and again if you're you say man I just feel like the Lord's asking me to take another step in being a part of this church family then that's, that's how you do that and it, again you'll hear the connect card and and this is all about just being sensitive to his presence. Do you realize that? Like that's really what this boils down to. <clears throat> Did you notice last week there's a new phrase at the end when we conclude? We, we've had some people saying, oh, they didn't say the same phrase. I'm not even going to say the former phrase because we're not saying it anymore. Can we, we tell you what the new phrase is? It's, it's this at the end of a message you see on your, on your notes the GP2RL that's we bring God's presence to real life and that's what that means like we encounter God we experience him we take time to listen to him be with him and then we carry his presence out everywhere we go and so we don't want to just hear the word we want to do the word so we every time we gather like this we have a conclusion that is our God's presence to real life action point of the week and so this week the action point is I want to ask you to slow down and make room to love God and to love others slow down make room to love God and love others and then you'll hear I guess Randy's closing you're going to hear him he's going to it's going to be a masterpiece today he's going to get up and he's going to close after we worship just a little bit and he's going to say something like this thanks for being here remember we bring God's presence to real life everywhere we go this week God bless you have a great week because we just want to reiterate that statement. It's central to who we are. You experience God 
then you go and express what you experience. And religion demands expression without providing any experience. But we want you to experience God. You're going to have to slow down to do that. Come on, let's just listen to the Lord for a moment together. Let's slow down together. I'm, I'm going to, just for those of you who may not, uh, this might be your first time or you've not been here before, um, this is where I'm going to stop talking and it's going to go silent and it's going to feel weird because like we're in a church world where everything stays spinning and everybody feels like they've got to keep your attention or you'll drift. But what we know is you don't need a man to teach you, First John chapter 2. The anointing will teach you. In other words, I don't care who's speaking on a Sunday, you should be listening to God. So what I want to ask you to do when the sound of my voice stops is just we're going to take just a moment or two and I want you to listen. What is God saying out of all of the conversation we've been having from worship to word to these moments? So just calm yourself, calm your thoughts, and listen to God just for a few moments. Maybe jot down what you sense God may be saying or asking of you. Let me give you some room. Let's just pay attention to the Spirit of God.